Hey, faith family. Welcome to the Beyond Sunday podcast at Calvary Bible, where we go beyond the Sunday sermon to explore some rabbit holes and to bring some biblical truths to the surface. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Calvary Bible Church, welcome to another episode of Beyond Sunday. Barely. Barely. Barely Beyond Sunday. Barely Beyond Sunday. Uh, Today's a special episode. Mm -hmm. We talked about this last week at some point, but Mm -hmm. today's 100 episodes. It's amazing. So... Is it approximately two years worth? Uh, yeah, roughly, I guess. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. I mean, we've missed a couple of weeks here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I came with a banger of a joke today. You ready? Just to celebrate. What can I do? <laughs> All right. It's actually just a pretty normal joke, but anyway, we'll think of it as a, as a good one. Uh, what's the best thing about Switzerland? The best thing about Switzerland is the Alps. Mm, no. Chocolate. No. Hot chocolate. Uh-uh. I don't know either, but their flag has their flag's a big plus. <laughs> uh, okay. There we go. That is true. There you go. All right. We're in Matthew chapter 10, second half. Did you finish? I forget. Chapter I think 10? I all the way down to yeah. verse 25. Uh, okay, good. So one of our uh, rascal faith family members... Uh, asked a question in response to last week's episode. Can you believe it? I can't believe it. <laughs> we don't like to give names out, but in this case, we still won't give names out. Um, but no, great. So we're going to backtrack? We are going to backtrack a little bit, but okay. it's kind of in the same vein as you know mm-hmm. earlier in Matthew 10. Mm-hmm. The apostles are being sent out on mission. Mm-hmm. And so the question is this. Mm-hmm. Um, here, I'll just read it. My question was sparked by the discussion in the last sermon and most recent podcast mm-hmm. about finding balance with godly sacrifice in life. Mm-hmm. However, it's also a question that's been in the back of my mind for several years now. Okay, so is there a biblical basis to just justify staying in America when there's so much more of a need for the gospel mm-hmm. to be witnessed in other parts of the world, especially since I already have an international, intercultural, or multilingual experience? Okay, mm-hmm. for example, Pastor Andy, you shared a few weeks ago about mm-hmm. Nepal, yeah. right, and the yeah. the great need for laborers there. Yeah. So, why are we why do we find ourselves sitting on comfy couches mm-hmm. while there are people in Nepal dying and going mm-hmm. to hell? Mm-hmm. So the first answer is that that's God's sovereignty in the way in which he calls uh, people to the field. So uh, a couple of things come to mind quickly. Um, so early in the book of Acts, when the, when the first mega church sends out the first bunch of missionaries Mm -hmm. they only send out two out of the whole i mean so Mm -hmm. if you want to just step back for a moment and think about the need that existed then versus the need that exists now the need that existed then they had one group of christians in that part of the world and no one else had heard the gospel yet the gospel is just beginning to spread from you know, that famous verse in Acts that talks about the, you know, the, the, uh, the expanding circle of influence mm-hmm. uh, to the uttermost parts of the earth. Yep. So here to me would be the time in history when the need is greatest and they only send out two. Mm-hmm. So that's the reason for starting with the sovereignty of God 
So if you take the, the logic of this question and you put that to uh, that first century church, the logic would say everybody should have gone, mm-hmm. but everybody didn't go. Mm-hmm. Partly because, uh, partly because, first of all, because God determined that they needed, that he needed two from that workforce to go, Paul and Barnabas. So that means that the ones who didn't go are still strategic in getting the gospel out from their current location. So that's the place I would start theologically would be to talk about God's sovereignty in sending workers into the world, which is important to our study. And so part of our, you know, Beyond Sunday should be continuing to pray to the Lord of the harvest, begging, pleading with the Lord of the harvest to send workers into the world because the need is there. So the sovereignty of God would be first. The second thing would be not uh, from the opposite uh, side of that coin is the calling on our lives. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, if I if I said to uh, you know any particular parishioner in church that that resides here in the Mountjoy area, if I said, um, "Do you know why you're not on the mission field?" They could answer by saying, "God hasn't called me." Mm-hmm. So it could be that. Um, one of the reasons why we don't all get up and go is because not only, number one, God is sovereign in this, but number two, uh, that sovereignty includes his call of individuals to go here and there. Mm-hmm. So it could be something like that. The third comment, the third thing is just a comment. You may recall that in our own, our own discussions about missions, I used the example years ago about the difference between buying eggs and buying chips. Do you, mm-hmm. you remember I vaguely did. that? Mm-hmm. I, I was trying to get across the priority of missions. And so uh, during some of our discussions, uh, I did bring this up that if money's tight, do I choose eggs or chips? More than likely in my better moments, I'm going to choose eggs for my family if money is really tight. I'm not going to buy waste money on chips that I don't, you know, the money's just not there. Mm-hmm. So I think in, in some ways, though, this, this observation is important because as we continue to look strategically about our part to play in the gospel, we do need to realize that there's people that don't know in other places in the world, and probably their need is greater than the person that doesn't know across the street here, mm-hmm. who has umpteen ways to know, but in Nepal, maybe not. So right. those are just a few of my comments right off the start. Can I make sure I'm understanding your analogy correctly? Yeah. Um, Eggs in this scenario would be similar to unreached people in the get world. Them. Yeah, go get them with the gospel. You know, yeah, versus, give them the gospel. Yeah, someone who's yeah, you know, in a different part of the United States where there's easier access. The gospel's everywhere. Churches are everywhere. Yeah, you know, there Bible are Bibles are everywhere. Churches are everywhere. Television broadcasts are everywhere. Radio broadcasts, podcasts. I mean, yeah, compared to a, a tribe in Nepal where or Bolivia. Yeah, or Bolivia, exactly. where there's the technology's not there. There's mm-hmm. right, okay. Yep. Um, so speaking of call, that was kind mm-hmm. of the second thing you touched on there. Mm-hmm. Um, like, where do we get this idea of calling? Mm-hmm. How do we decipher that? Mm-hmm. Uh, so if someone's saying, "Is God calling me to the mission field?" Yeah, I'm not sure mm-hmm. how to decipher that. Where does that come from? Even in the sure. scriptures, yeah. Paul or Barnabas, maybe. Mm-hmm. You could start there. You could look at the book of Acts and some of those examples. But 
um, you'd want to do a couple of things. Number one, just start with your own desire. I mean, God, okay. anybody that's thought through this, this calling, I, I, most everyone, not everyone, I'm sure not everyone, most everyone that's been through this feels a strong pull uh, toward a particular work mm-hmm. for God. And so um, I think that's that desire word that comes up in like 1 Timothy 3. So there is the, the aspect of desire. But the other thing is the recognition of God's people and the leadership in your life, uh, which also goes back to the example in Acts and in the, in the instruction in Acts, where if you follow how leadership uh, arose in the early church, it was this passing on, this disciple making, which included I think I'm going to, uh, you know, we're going to ordain such and such to this particular work. So I think that would be uh, a couple of ways to think that through. Is, there, is God putting in your heart a strong desire for spreading the gospel in a particular way, in a particular region? And then mm-hmm. what about your leadership? Are they recognizing that call of God on your life? I would say that's similar for uh, both pastors in the making, but also global outreach partners in the making. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good. Um, if I can just add, oh, please. my mind yeah. went in a different direction slightly mm-hmm. um, in that, you know, someone's asking this question, why am I sitting here while, mm-hmm. you know, there's unreached people in Nepal or whatever other country? Um, it, in some ways, I, I detect maybe, uh, you know, at least the potential for there to be short-sightedness for ministry here. Um, and so my mind oh, goes sure. to Matthew 28, yeah. where Jesus says, as you're going, mm-hmm. make disciples. Yeah. And so part of that's giftedness yeah. and context where we recognize, hey, I'm in a place where um, God has me rubbing shoulders with mm-hmm. unreached people, okay, or mm-hmm. lost people anyway, uh, who I can make disciples of. And so even though it's not a you know, traditional missionary type role, mm-hmm. we're still making disciples, making disciples. That's great in the same way. And uh, I mean, I don't think the person asking this question is necessarily, you know, losing sight of that. But I think there is at times uh, folks can just quickly fall into a mindset that there's the professional ministers, missionaries, et cetera. And then there's me and I really don't have, you know, a significant part to play. Yeah. But we do. All of us. Yeah. And I think that's a great point. On top of that, too, you, you might think about the... Um, would you call it sort of the negative effect on the church for people who go that are not called by God? And so, you know, if if people are so, uh, if they, in, in other words, uh, and I think this is true, that uh, not every need presents the will of God for every person. So I think the church throughout church history has experienced this where, you know, you hear a need, should I fill that need? Am I the one to fill that need? I think we have those choices a lot in our lives. Mm-hmm. The needs are endless. That does not mean that every need is an open door for me to fill. And so I think there's uh, always the place for us to talk about wisdom. You know, can God give you wisdom, direct your path so that you succeed in the will of God in his will for you? Um in your particular place, because the, there is danger of a person jumping out of the will of God because the need exists. And then, of course, the fallout is tragic because, number one, they may not be, they may not have the character to do it. They may not be called to do it. And, of course, they're without the leadership uh, to help them do it. So there's a lot of fallout that could occur when people attempt to do something out of the will of God, hmm. even though it's a great, it's a great goal. Right. You know, I'm trying to be faithful to the Great Commission and all mm-hmm. the needs, but 
evidently I am I'm going to make this happen even though God has not prompted me to do so. Mm-hmm. So it could be that danger too. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, so jumping kind of into this past Sunday's sermon, mm-hmm. uh, we have laborers going out into the field and mm-hmm. uh, whether professionally or not, mm-hmm. be ready to face opposition. Yeah. Some of the headings in the English Bible are going to go, uh, they're going to say persecution is coming, mm-hmm. something along those lines, because yeah. that's really what, you know, that's what Jesus was saying to the twelve. It's certainly still true where we are. If we were in another country, mm-hmm. then we would say persecution is here. Yeah. But we're we're sort of in this place where it's yeah. not here yet. Not to the extent of this text. No, goodness, I mean we, no. we could easily say, well, yeah, we're persecuted in some ways, but not like this. Yeah, uh uh-uh. uh. No. And if you remember the analogy I used of the line the witch in the wardrobe. Yeah, it was really it's, good. It's freezing over. Yeah. And you you can sense the kind of yeah. spiritual temperature dropping in our country. Yeah. But there's still pockets that are warmer than others. Yeah. Some areas of our country probably do Christians face persecution in a much different way than we do here. Yeah. You know, in Lancaster County. Um, when you started that quote, I was thinking that you were going to pick I, somewhere in that story too. <laughs> is it's always winter but never Christmas. Uh, and I I don't remember at what point in the movie that came up, but that yeah, was a great line too. That is always always winter. Never Christmas is really that's cold and bleak and yeah. But anyway, yeah, it's good. Christmas is on the horizon. I don't want to you know, just squelch all those little children and mm-hmm. their Christmas yeah. joy, which is coming because they were there. The too, days are for, yeah, for communion. it's coming close for them. Um, but question in response to yesterday's mm-hmm. uh, message. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it was verse nineteen and twenty. I'll read them. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Mm-hmm. So, does God give us words to speak in the same way that He did to the apostles? And if so, what does that look like? For he, us? Do, he does in that scenario. Um, according to that text, uh, let's just use the, the let's use the word um, uh, or the the event. You are arrested uh, by surprise. All of a sudden, you get a knock at your door. You're, you're a Christian living in this area. Mm-hmm. You get a knock at your door, and mm-hmm. the officials say you're under arrest for your, your association with Christ, mm-hmm. and you're spreading the gospel. You're under mm-hmm. arrest. That, that's an arrest that occurs that surprises me. I'm being carted off now. What, what I want to I stress, though, is how important the confession is, because this is—I this is, uh, tried to say this on Sunday, yesterday— uh, the the implication of do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say, that the implication is that that's the most important thing on my mind as a Christian. What am I about to say? And it's what am I about to say about my relationship with God? Mm-hmm. Everything is about this confession. Uh, everything about this is a sending out the 12 to witness just as Jesus was. So the strong implication of Wow, I need to be most first and foremost concerned with what I'm about to say about the Lord. Now, I would say to answer that question, yes. In this case, yeah, mm-hmm. that's exactly what that text is saying. Now, if someone was asking, does that happen in day-to-day life? I think the closest I came to that on Sunday was saying, how many of you know that in a particular conversation with someone, 
those words just came out and you have no idea where they came from because you couldn't have pulled that off on your own. Yeah. I think a lot of people were nodding on Sunday saying, yeah, that's happened to me. Mm-hmm. Now, the danger in this, and, I, and again, it is right to say that, the danger in this is when someone like me would claim a word from God that matches the authority of the scriptures. If I ever came and said, hey, mm-hmm. I've got a word from God, mm-hmm. and I say, and this, and this happens in leadership all the time, by the way, you go into a meeting tonight, we have an elders meeting tonight, right, with the deacons and so forth, and we meet together, and I say, hey, guys, I have a word from God tonight, mm-hmm. and if I believe and am promoting that word as being equal to the scriptures, I think we're in trouble. I don't read the Bible as as that as as offering that type of authority. Yeah. So I would say the answer to that is yes, but not not to the degree that it becomes equal as an authoritative word of scripture. Gotcha. I think that's I think that's something that we have no idea of of of, of what to do except for when the scripture says clearly in the New Testament, test the spirits. Test them. So in the early church, there was constantly a testing of these words that were floating around, let's say, in a worship service, mm-hmm. especially according to like Corinthians. Yeah, sure. So let me tease it out a little bit. Mm-hmm. So you think the, the apostles, as they're getting kind of dragged in front of the officials or whatever it may be, they're, they're having to give testimony to their relationship mm-hmm. with Jesus. And Jesus says to them, in that moment, don't be, don't be concerned, don't be mm-hmm. anxious. Mm-hmm you'll be given words from the Father. And then... The Spirit, from the Spirit. Yeah, the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Right. And so the way that that may have looked would have been just them in there, kind of like me sometimes, rather than bumbling across your words, having a a Spirit-empowered message that just comes in the moment and delivers the truth that needs to be delivered. It's clear. It's concise. And it's it's spirit directed, actually spirit directed, spirit driven. And mm-hmm. the folks that I read a lot in preparation for these messages, you know, they they'll they'll quote from the the martyrs, from the first church martyrs. Mm-hmm. And there's so much a record of the of these martyrs and what they said, yeah. and so forth at their worst. I mean, when they're they're getting tormented, mm-hmm. tortured, and so the martyrs would be. They would be the ones to read, read their accounts, and look at what they said. Yeah, it's like wow. I can't think of them off the top of my head, but grab Fox's Book of Martyrs if you're yeah, interested. Exactly, it's in there. Yeah, um, yeah. I won't go to. Come and, up and what they're well, what they're doing though is, you know, in this particular uh, occasion, their witness continues right to the end. So mm-hmm. again, that's I think that's the point of all of this. So be ready for persecution, but it's 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 all dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. Mm-hmm. So that act of witness right up to the very end of life in this in the case where they're martyred, the Spirit of God gives them the words to say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I hope with that question, I hope it was a qualified, sort of a qualified answer. Yeah, the words aren't, uh, we, sh- we shouldn't take them as being at the same level of scriptural authority, um, but we can, you know, Take a deep breath and know that God in those moments will guide our words. Our words, yeah, yeah, our words that are designed to testify of him in moments of persecution, to be clear with this. What about not persecution? What about Uh, like... I think I would say... You said not in a sermon that you didn't prepare for. Yeah, I would say, yeah, I would say that um, 
a moment there, of... there must be times when God has a person in a in a unique situation where those words are critical for his witness. Yeah. I, I don't have any problem with and him. This text doesn't words. speak to that, but there's no reason to believe that God in a again, a moment of personal witness, yeah. persecution aside. Yeah can't give words and even work despite oh, word. our sure. words. Oh, yeah. Um, and, how, and how many people have, have asked the Lord, Lord, and you may have said it, Lord, give me the right words to say mm-hmm. for, in whatever whatever your scenario was. Lord, please give me the right words to say. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Good. All right. Moving on. Last question. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Question and a half. Yeah. So verse 23, can mm-hmm. you just touch on that again? Uh, and this is a personal one. I may have blanked out a little bit, mm-hmm. but... Uh, yeah, happens. Yeah, you know, that's good if you did because it's one of those. You know, um, let me read it first. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Uh, uh, when they persecute first. you in one town, flee to the next. For truly, I say to you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. I caught like the end of your explanation mm-hmm. there. I think about the uh, Son of Man coming and the timing of some of these things. And, yeah, and the judgment for Israel. Mm-hmm. I mean, I read. I mean, I read pages about this. Yeah, it is such a it's such a difficult interpretation because of the timing. The timing, uh, first of all, in the in Jesus' instructions, he says to his original twelve, "You're not going to finish this. You're not going to finish witnessing all mm-hmm. over. So you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel." Prior to going through all the towns of Israel with their witness and running from here to here because of persecution, mm-hmm. town to town to town, the Son of Man comes. Well, we know he didn't. He hasn't. So right. now we have a couple of really, uh, uh, just a, a couple of options out of the options that I saw. And so I think the one that makes the best sense is just to keep this as the Son of Man arriving in judgment which a lot of the prof- the prophetic texts in the Old Testament talk like that. So what we know, for instance, if I get the date right, is you know Jerusalem is is totally destroyed in AD seventy. Mm-hmm. So again, this is in the first century. So the Book of Acts is is ongoing here, early church, and here's the witness going out. And before evidently this mission can be completed. Uh, the judgment hits okay. and everything is now. Yeah, that's I think, the best I could do with that. Yeah, initial reading in our 21st century context, we read that Son of Man comes and we always think second coming, but yeah. comes for what would probably right. be a better yeah. take away some of my presuppositions. Uh, there's so much about this that's hard. And, and it's again, a vague. The, and the reason why I didn't do anything with it on Sunday is because there's so many people, you might be one of them, that you've got a study Bible. Or you've studied hard before, uh, and you you're already you're already aware of different uh, of different interpretations of a text like this. And Sunday morning was certainly not yesterday was not the place to go into that. Yeah. Uh, that I, I don't ever think that's helpful. What's most helpful is even though I may not know exactly what before the Son of Man comes means, I do know one thing is uh, Jesus was saying to his disciples, "The time is short." So you keep running if you're persecuted and don't worry about it because you're not going to make it, you're not going to get to the end anyway, I'm going to arrive. Mm-hmm. And whether it's in judgment or some of you are in the know, right? Some some folks would say, especially those that are from a revised dispensational type of mindset would say, well, this is the, the church age is just sort of blocked out of this altogether. It's just an unknown entity at this time. And so it skips forward. 
to the time when Israel is back in the in the plan again or something like that. Gotcha. Yeah. All right, one more follow-up question yeah. there mm-hmm. uh, with the first part of that verse. So he yeah. tells them, you know, if they're persecuted or when they perse- are persecuted, just to flee to the next town. Yeah. So is the implication that, you know, if I am sharing the gospel with someone and they don't receive it, don't waste your time, move on. Just keep moving. I, I think I think that's part of it. De- depending on your uh, your your depending on your purpose. Mm. Um, if your purpose is, uh, it, you know, if your goal is, we need the gospel to go Mount Joy, uh, Mount Joy Maytown, Marietta, Elizabethtown. I mean, if that Bainbridge, all of that. If that's your goal to get it around, mm-hmm. and Jesus is saying. When you get persecuted in one town, keep moving. Yep. Go to the next. Go to the next. They all need to hear it. Mm-hmm. So you get a chance to you you say the gospel in that area, and it gets shot down. Go to the next type of thing. So I do think, and I tried to mention this. I think on on Sunday, I think I did mention it. I do think that we should be careful about spending too long with people who have rejected. Mm-hmm. I think that's if you want to keep praying for them, sure. But to continue to have an effort there when you don't see God at work, which is a lot of reason, it's the reason why a lot of people will pray to God, God, would you lead us to the people in whom you're already working? That kind of a prayer, that global outreach prayer is one of those that, you know, please, Lord, uh, show me the people that need to hear this and are going to respond. Mm -hmm. But actually, that's only part of the equation. God says, get the word out, get the word out. And he instructs them on what to do if Mm -hmm. you don't hear it. Yeah. yeah, I think your one of your initial comments about the, the purpose uh, is well put because we talked a few weeks ago about having compassion for the lost. Yep. And sometimes that compassion means a friendship develops. Yeah, well, yeah. So if a friendship develops with yeah. a neighbor or someone yeah. that you've just you know developed a relationship with, yep, you stay with that person yeah. even yeah. though they reject it. Yeah, you love your neighbor, but your purpose isn't at that point. Maybe is primarily. I got to keep sharing the gospel with this guy through words directly, yeah. but I'm just going to keep living yeah. that out, be a exactly. faithful witness in my presence. And yeah. um, as opposed to maybe yeah. there's someone who God brings them into my life or exactly. I see a need or an opportunity to share the gospel and mm-hmm. they just, you know, two or three times they're just not responding. Yeah. And I don't have an intention to really be this person's friend, yeah. et cetera. Yeah. Don't keep beating them over the head with it. Move on. Yeah, keep going. Leave leave them in God's hands and yeah. say a prayer for them. Yeah, and and yesterday too, uh, you and I are on the same track because if you're in a neighborhood, I mean, you're around your neighbors all the time. Mm-hmm. So there, you have your opportunities, endless opportunities, because you're not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. But in this case, the design was let's this this message has to travel quickly because mm-hmm. the time is short. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of any of you listening and you're trying to dig into this a little further. Remember that the interpretation that helps win the day here is the one that senses the, the urgency in this. So if your interpretation takes away the urgency out of this, probably not the best reading. Gotcha. Because this is all yeah. about, hey, this is urgent. The time is short. Yeah. Good. Yeah. That's great. You had a short time yesterday. Anything else to add? Communion, we uh, cut you short a little bit. Yeah, we did good. You good? Oh, yeah. Nothing else? No. Okay. No, because we already, like, we wasted, like, how many minutes going back to a previous, like, a previous podcast? That's Pastor Randy's view. That wasn't yours? Not mine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> if you do have any questions about this podcast or a or, sermon, particularly the one coming up. For real? Yep. Okay. Email them in, too. That's the way it works. Roger. Roger Garber at gmail.com. Just kidding. That's not his email address, but it's somebody's. So don't email that Roger. Um, 
email them into podcast. It's 100 episodes now, Randy. Wow. Get with the program. I should get it right by now. P-O-D-C-A-S-T at Charlie Bravo, Charlie, Mountjoy.com. All right. Have a great week. See you on Sunday. Love you guys. Thanks again for joining us on today's episode. And remember, our Sunday sermons are meant to lead us to a life of worship beyond Sunday. 